Salutations and welcome. Welcome in to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. It's been a while. It's been been a long time, been a long time, been a long, lonely, 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 lonely. Yes, Chris. Uh, <laughs> good Lord, I can't remember his name. What was what was the Weathermeister from the old, those old uh, cartoons? The Jack Frost? Yes, Jack <laughs> Jack Frost decided he, to he was, let up on us. He was nipping at our nose for a while, as the song goes to say, but he finally relented. And there, were, yeah, between weather and just life, yeah. uh, it's just been a while for us to to come together and uh, and uh, make this happen. But we are again, and we are going to be doing a review of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And kind of our thoughts on that, and it's this is that's the first uh, uh, diving into this vast ocean of Star Wars universe, and and the things they're going to do with it outside of the main Sky, Skywalker stories. And so, yeah, we'll talk about that. But first, we wanted to to uh, well, we'll talk about some just some movie news. There were some lately. Has been a lot of. New trailers coming out, things coming up that people are excited about. Um, one, well, two in the past couple of weeks that are ones I was really excited about and excited slash interested in where they were going to go um, were War for the Planet of the Apes, which is War for the Planet of the Apes. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think that's what they're going with. It could change. It wouldn't be the first time they changed the title up. Yeah, they like to make these new ones long titled, but I'm okay with it because the past two have been surprisingly good. The last one was, dare I say, excellent. Yeah, the last one. You you wouldn't expect to call a movie where your lead is a toddler level speaking English (laughs) (laughs) CGI ape a masterpiece. But it's pretty close. I mean, it just had a a really solid story where they allowed the apes to have um, just moments to build build their characters and things like that, where they weren't just some like novelty character where it's like, oh, you'll like this because it's you know it's an ape <laughs> you know, or something. Was well, to really build them as characters, and so yeah, it was really good. And so they released this new trailer that. Ooh, it was hard to really get a feel for what the movie would totally be because it ended up being kind of one of those um, have a character say something that's going to be probably important, but the way they use it in the trailer it makes it feel like it's really important, and so it was hard to get a total feel, but at least got you excited that it is happening. You know, one thing so, that, you know, something I did pick up off this, I kind of got the vibe from Woody Harrelson's character that he was really getting touch in touch with his his kind of the way he was in the nineties, just like screaming and really, <laughs> I just... felt like he, he's harnessing his best friend, Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> character from reign of fire. Oh, like shaved head, bald, crazy military man. I was thinking of, <laughs> uh, him in, uh, natural born killers. Yeah. Or yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Where he's just ripped and kind of just making these random, just random soliloquies about, Life soliloquy, soliloquy. That's what I said. Soliloquy. That's what I said. <laughs> it's just funny when you say it. <laughs> you know what, man? Anyway, moving on. Where was I? Yeah, soliloquies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Anyway, 
But yeah, back to the uh, Dweeven. Have they even said what? I this... thought you said Dweeven. I'm like, what's Dweeven? Do we even know? <laughs> Do we even know what this movie is going to be about yet? No, I mean a war. Obviously, no. So, I think. I mean, if you read like a plot description on IMDb, if it can be trusted, I think it's man's last stand. Mm. Is really what it's going to be, you know, the last humans, you know, kind of a last stand type thing, which is a classic third movie of a trilogy thing where whoever is the hero makes their last stand, you know, type thing. It happens a lot. I mean, X-Men 3 was literally called The Last Stand. And so, yeah, it's kind of what happens with a lot of climactic. You know, I don't know if they were going to keep this one a trilogy, I guess. I'm not sure, but you know, either way, it's, I think it's a classic third movie. I think Fox would prefer it if they just kept making them because it always. Well, I think if this one does well, yeah, they would really like that because, like, okay, yeah, let's do it. I know after Tim Burton's movie, uh, his Planet of the Apes movie tanked. Even after that, they were like, "How can we reboot this?" Yeah, and what's interesting is if Burton's would have done well, they had a few movies, movie ideas ready to go. So. Yeah, but thankfully the public. Came to their senses for a brief moment. Not because of me. I was a dumb <laughs> high schooler. Went to it twice. Oh my gosh! You can, uh, you can hate me for that. The only money I ever gave towards this movie is I rented it on VHS for five bucks, and even that seemed a bit excessive at the time. Wow. Yeah, that is excessive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, War for the Planet of the Apes. It it looks promising. It's all you know. It'll just be interesting. Same director that did the last one. And he wrote it too, and so um, it's the guy who did like uh, well, obviously he did that that movie, but then uh, he just has an interesting career of sci-fi movies with Cloverfield. He did that and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes with this. Uh, the other the other big one that came out recently was Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh yes, the one that's got all the fanboys in tizzy. <clears throat> yeah, for different reasons. Um, you know they're they're in a tizzy because they're excited that mo- that. The real Marvel has it back, uh, or they're angry that Spider-Man's being rebooted again, depending on kind of where you're at in the whole spectrum of Spider-Man drama. But you can tell that they're really basking in the sun of being a part of Marvel Studios again when the trailer opens with guys wearing uh, Avenger masks doing a bank heist where they're just like, hey, we can use these characters in our movie now and, you know, have make jokes with it and stuff. And But at the same time, that did make, uh, I mean, that whole scene just felt really Spider-Man with the way he's just kind of joking with them. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden this kind of John Hughes high school music kind of kicks in as the soundtrack for the trailer. <laughs> and it feels really high school-y. And so you kind of get that high school drama to it. So... It did have these promising elements, in my opinion, of the makings of a decent Spider-Man movie. Honestly, the only the only bad thing I saw with this was I didn't really like how the Vulture looked. Yeah, I'm kind of struggling with the whole like the whole motorcycle helmet yeah. thing. Yeah, and then it seemed like he had like a frock or something on. I'm not sure what was going on there. Yeah, yeah. the whole and a jetpack, kind of the, the from the bottom of your sternum up. The vulture just kind of looked weird. Yeah. But, which is weird, too. I don't know why they decided to go, like, full-on helmet with vulture. And I feel like since it's Michael Keaton, 
we're not going to really be seeing him a lot in the helmets. There'll be a lot well, of... Well, and that's why I was surprised they even did the helmets. It's like, well, okay, they're going to figure out a way for that helmet to be off a lot, probably, since it's Michael Keaton. Yeah. So I don't... I don't... Yeah, I, I struggle with that, but at the same time, I was ex- I'm excited to see... Uh, I think Keaton could be a good villain. Oh, yeah, of and course so, he can. I mean... I mean, I, I, so I think... I mean, you got to remember this is the guy who was Beetlejuice. Yeah. You know, and things like that, and so... Uh, well, he's he's had some... He's played some dark characters in movies before. Yeah, I guess he has. He yeah. guess he has. I, you know, I was you always just think of him for kind of his goofy roles or as Batman or things like that. But yeah, he has kind of had a a range in his career. Yeah. So, he's kind of having this renaissance right now. It's it's ironic that his he's kind of coming off Birdman and here he is playing a character who's essentially another Birdman. <laughs> Yeah, I guess he is. <laughs> yeah, he's being a literal bird man now, so vulture. But yeah, I mean, so I mean, that's another one that has, looks really promising. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is in it, giving it his kind of stamp of approval. <laughs> and so it'll be interesting because they had a really cool dynamic in Civil War, so it'll be kind of cool to see how that dynamic plays into a solo movie uh, and, and kind of where they go with that and kind of this whole mentor relationship. And so, yeah, that, I mean, there's some promising things there. Um, you wouldn't think they could screw it up too bad, but we've said that a lot before and they've figured out ways to do it. So you just never know. Um, you know, and then there was just uh, some, some, a real reason, one recent one more on the kitty side would be Despicable Me 3, which I, I know had my entire household <laughs> very excited. I actually have not seen that one. I watched like the first 30 seconds of it and something distracted me. <laughs> Maybe that did. That's a pretty distracting no. trailer, but it seems like another uh another fun Gru romp if you're into Gru and the whole minion gang. It seems like uh might be right up your alley. It seems more promising than the Minions movie, which I think was missing Gru. It needed Gru. Gru is really the the gel that holds it all together in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of people think that movie should have just been a baby crew followed by minions and doing shenanigans. That would have been good. Yeah. I would I would watch that. Although would Steve Carell have done the baby crew voice? <laughs> then I would have been on board. I think he did do cuz Gru showed up at the end of it, didn't he? Yeah, like he I did think, do the voice yeah. of like Kid Gru. So, yeah, which was really funny and that was easily the best moment. <laughs> So, but yeah, there's just uh, a lot of cool things coming out. And of course, things that'll be coming out early next year where, uh, thankfully the movie industry seems to be figuring out that we don't want every movie to be in May, June and July and they're spreading decent movies throughout the whole year. Um, even some more are coming to the end of this year that could through the end of this year that could be good. Um, I know I could see what happens. I can think of a couple in March of all months that are going to be really big. Uh, Logan and the King Kong movie coming out. Both of those are hoping to be big. Yeah. Yeah, let's see what happens. So. And <laughs> I am glad that they're sprinkling this stuff out a little bit more. Yeah. Because you, starting in probably January, probably wouldn't see like a a big, a big kind of attention-grabbing movie until about May. Yeah. So I'm glad they're sprinkling it out a little bit. But Yeah, January still has a tendency to be like your throwaway month. Where it's like, we're in awards season, we'll just throw out, an, and, and they are. I mean, they're throwing out an yeah. Underworld movie <laughs> again. And so, yeah, just kind of funny. But 
we'll get back into Star Wars mode here. We're going to be talking about Rogue One tonight. But before we do that, going to kind of uh, hear for a little bit, just talk about the things coming with, with Star Wars. Uh, obviously, something coming here next year would be Episode Eight, and it seems like... Well, first off, Dakota, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show. How do you feel about this whole one movie every year? One Star Wars movie every year? I actually am okay with it, and here's why. Okay. I grew up in a time... Long ago. In a town very far away from where I am now. (laughs) Okay. And I just hated the fact that uh, I felt... Like there, I was essentially that not just me, but the public was Star Wars deprived because you had comics, video games coming out that were doing all this stuff with the Star Wars galaxy universe. Yeah. And Lucas, for some reason, was not really willing to put any of it on screen. He was always willing to make a video game, a comic book, put out a book that dealt with these things, but... He just didn't quite want to uh, do the job of actually making a movie. And I think that's because maybe in his mind he felt he had to to kind of just be there and kind of put it together by himself, which he didn't have to do. Right. He, he yeah. And, you, well, especially with, I mean, you see it in the prequels yeah. where he really lone warriored it. Yeah, and he... I wish somebody had just told him, you don't have to do everything by yourself. You can, he licensed out his, uh, like I said, his properties to other, other media. Uh-huh. And he could have just, he, I know he wanted to do a show, a couple shows, yep. live action shows, um, more movies right before he sold to Disney. And I think he should have just kind of let people, other people step in, um, which is essentially what Disney's doing right now. And I'm kind of glad. Because there's they're doing the Han Solo uh, prequel movie here. Uh, me and like a hundred million other people are still waiting for this Boba Fett movie. We think is one day going to happen. We're still waiting to see what Obi-Wan was doing between movies three and four. Uh, everybody wants to know how... And Ewan McGregor supposedly has interest in in bringing Obi- being Obi-Wan again. Yeah. And we all want to know just how in how did Palpatine become who he was? Yep. And I'd I'd like to see all of that. On the Opera sc- House story. We want to see some. Yeah. That'd be cool to see some of that on screen. Old Republic. Yeah. Old Republic. I would especially love yep. just because I was just in love with the video games. My mom used to get on me because I'd sit in front of the TV for ten hours <laughs> playing this game. And she'd it's be a like, good game. It's a good game. She'd be like, you're going to ruin your eyes and you're ruining <laughs> my TV, damn you. <laughs> that's not how she talks, but that's in that's for but some reason. verbatim <laughs> words. <laughs> yes, those are those are exact <laughs> quotes. Exact quotes. Oh god. What about you, Stephen? What's you your know, thoughts on the process? Uh Right now I'm okay with it, but at this, we're we're only two movies in, and you know what we're kind of seeing here with the comic book world 
is sometimes they do feel a little rushed or maybe there's not enough thought put into them and we get a little worried like why didn't they fix that or why didn't they spend more time or is the reason that this one wasn't quite as good as it could have been was because they had already had the whole time frame set the whole we already have the date we're releasing in theaters set you know all these things and and uh and so I'm not at this point really worried about it, but I do get worried that if these movies start like not being as good as we th- <laughs> as they could be, that that could be a problem. But with that being said, what makes these kind of different is Star Wars the or not Star Wars, Lucasfilm brings in like a new group of people to really head each movie. And so even though they're doing them all, they have like a different group of people kind of working on each one, which I think kind of makes maybe this whole system work. Whereas it feels like with Marvel, it it's kind of a little more the same people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. And so maybe that's, maybe that's what will make this kind of work a little better. But I think the other thing that's different with Star Wars 2 is that uh, so much of the Star Wars world is either just just sitting there ready and waiting to have a movie made because it's just so rich already, or there's just so much freedom to go anywhere because there's no elements really set in place with it, except for the exception would be the movie we just watched, Rogue One, where it's like... It, it's interesting that this was their first movie because this movie was in a very specific time frame that was right before events that all of us know exa- exactly because we've all seen A New Hope a billion times. But yeah, I think this is okay. I think this whole one-a-year thing is okay, but it's one of those things where well, it's going to be okay till it's not okay. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, it's all right. But I I do worry that, like, you know, do we need a Han Solo, a young Han Solo movie? See, that right there, I'm going to say no. Yeah, but see, that's what they're doing because they, yeah. they think it's what we want because we like Han Solo. But I would say, no, we like Harrison Ford <laughs> in 1977, 80, and 83 playing Han Solo. But do we like someone else being Han Solo now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's And that's uh, again, that's why I'm saying we like this till we don't like it. <laughs> it's kind of a you got to kind of find a balance, I think. Like this movie, um they took a gamble on a lot of things it seems like. Yeah. And Yeah, when you think about it, there's like mm, yeah. <laughs> Especially, a lot of thing elements going on, especially that ending. I think yes. Um, you know, no matter. I know there's. It seems like there are newspapers, uh, websites out there that are kind of trying to make it seem like there's this fan outrage over the ending of this movie. Um, it's already been out for a few days. I know at this point, but yeah. Uh, I th- I think I still think this movie is pretty strong. This doesn't. This movie doesn't go anywhere near um, the levels that the prequels went. 
or even with uh yeah with how they tampered with things yeah or yeah. even you know the return to endor movie with the ewoks <laughs> i don't think it got no anywhere or, near or even that the bad. holiday special for that matter oh man <laughs> the real introduction of boba fett you know he was riding a dinosaur in that one that was cool <laughs> why can't we see that uh, that would be cool to see maybe that'll be in the boba fett movie yeah that may or may not happen so yeah and so yeah so okay so here we are we're in the midst of this one star wars movie year and here we saw rogue one so let's talk about it rogue one rogue one a star wars movie we saw it we saw it in all its glory and the movie came up there was lucasfilm there was a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and then guess what the movie just started. Yeah, that was a little surreal, wasn't that, it? That was that was strange. It was weird. But I, I even knew it was coming, and it still was like, whoa, that was weird. You know, it's just weird to see a long time ago, time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then just have like, like music just go, and it starts. Honestly, with the theater we had for a second there, I was like, did they just skip over a portion of the movie? <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You never know. Uh, my favorite mo- my favorite story about being at the movie theater, um, and having a skipping thing is when I went to go see Muppet Christmas Carol as a kid when that was new, <laughs> and Under Siege started playing. Which, when you're at a kids movie in a theater full of kids, you probably shouldn't start a rated R Steven Seagal movie on accident. But, <laughs> but no, they didn't skip over anything. It just started, and so that was yeah, that was kind of an interesting. Uh, experiences start happening and so it's like okay what's going to happen because we have no words bringing us into this story here so um and it starts uh with Jin Urso our main um hero heroine can do you say heroine cuz that's a drug a you girl say hero heroine. a feminine hero as a girl as a little girl and seeing her her parents and you know, it's kind of a little bit of the classic Star Wars hero where they're separated from their parents type scenario that always seems to happen in the Star Wars universe. There's some separation of parents, whether by by death or force or whatever it is where I think that's that the, happens. I think that's the Disney influence coming in. We have all but, these but orphan I mean, that's, heroes now. I mean, that's Luke, though, <laughs> and that was Anakin. Yeah. Separated from their parents and then parents eventually die and things like that or whatever happens. So that's where we're kind of brought in. And then uh, when this movie starts, there is a lot of jumping from different to different places where they had to throw up a lot of different places we were going. Yeah, I thought that was odd. They actually gave us like locations. Yeah, it almost felt like a Star Trek movie (laughs) where it's putting up like where we are now um, on the screen. So. Yeah, we jumped around the I think the intro of this was a little bit too shaky, I feel, to really kinda get us prepared for what was about to go on. Um there's a huge chunk of uh Generosa's life that they kinda just skip over. Like even they were like, Okay, that's gonna be boring. We just gotta skip ahead to where the story yeah, starts. Which is where I think uh I mean I, I understand their reasoning behind they want these to be understood as being like yes they're star wars movies but they're not our flagship star wars movies 
But I feel like maybe it kind of hurt it to not have something to bring us into the story. Because I felt like because they didn't do that, they had to do all this kind of intro, move around all these different things stuff, and then eventually figure out a way to exposit um, her teenage years, you know, and things like that in a, in a, in a sense, you know. And so, I don't know. How did you feel about, how did you feel about just the way they did this opening? Honestly, I thought it kind of hurt the character of Jen Urso. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, that's where I am too. And and that's, because and you that's what I'm saying. Like, may I understand? Like I said, I understand not doing the crawl, but maybe they just maybe this wasn't the right way either. Yeah, they. It really made you not care about her. Yeah, kind of. Because you don't know who she is. I mean, you know that she's the daughter of and, this guy. Well, it's like you care about her because you care about her. Yeah, it's. You know, and it's like, because you know you're supposed to. Okay. you They kind of got away with that just because of the movie it was, but that's not a good filmmaking technique. Yeah. Um, and Diego Luna kind of just, his character just essentially appeared out of nowhere and kind of seemed, I think. I th- thought he worked better because the way they brought him into the story, though. Um, Diego Luna would be more or less the real leader of this group that ends up coming together. He's the captain of them all. Yeah. And uh, I thought his work's a little better because he was kind of brought in and he was a little bit of a shadow figure where even though he was the leader, you weren't quite sure how scrupulous he was. And you really felt that in the introduction of him, which I thought really set up the the things that were going to happen later in that the decisions he was going to have to make later. So I was more okay with him. Jen Ursa was the one where I was like, we're supposed to, she's the one we're really supposed to, she's supposed to be like our entrance point. Yeah. And the one we, that we carry with through the story. And it was hard to really care about her, which I found interesting. In fact, I was kind of realizing that about halfway through the movie where I was like, I don't really feel attached to anybody. Yeah. They, well, my problem was they threw around names, and you didn't really have any idea who the hell they were talking about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, a little, a little bit. Well, because even... there was a few that had just like they weren't really introduced enough to really like. Oh yeah, that's that one, you know, or something. And, yeah. Well, and... it's kind of like uh, with the Hobbit movies, where it's like, oh, it's Biffin and Borfin, <laughs> and it's like I don't remember which one's which. <laughs> So, unless it was Gimli's dad, Gloin, I know who that is. <laughs> and Thorin, obviously. But, yeah, yeah it's kind of the same with this where it's like, uh, I think it's that one. After a while, I started realizing, okay, the 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 traitor pilot is Bodhi. I got that figured out yeah. now, you know. <laughs> but it's like, as I was sitting in the theater, it's like, oh, the blind one, the guy with the big gun, the... Uh... <laughs> Forrest Whitaker's character. Uh, <laughs> the not Jedi, but kind of a Jedi. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the kill bots. <laughs> the kill bots. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 was kind of a bummer. And it, and that's the thing is, is uh, you know, uh, every Star Wars movie just kind of has that character you just gravitate towards somehow. You know, like with Force Awakens, um there were kind of multiple ones. Obviously, everybody loved BB-8, you know, BB-8. But at the same time, there's a lot of people gravitate toward Ray or toward or toward uh, Poe 
or toward Finn, you know, or liked Kylo Ren and made a Twitter account called Emo <laughs> Kylo Ren, you know, <laughs> and you remember their names and things like that. But in this one, I don't know if it was because there were just so many and they had to put them all together that it was just hard to like, you know, or it ended up becoming like an Ocean's Eleven scenario where there's just like so many of them you don't. You just know that's the one that does this and that's the one that does that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, it was. And, yeah, and there was a new droid in this one, K2SO, uh, played by Alan Tudyk, which you'd know him if you saw him. And if you're a fan of Firefly, all I have to say is Alan Tudyk, and you know exactly who I'm talking about because there's people who love Firefly love Firefly. So This is very true. Um, And so people – know who he is but but he's a really good i mean he's good in a lot of things but he did the he kind of was the andy circus of this movie he motion captured uh this droid and did the voice or whatever and and he was kind of uh the comic relief which dakota commented out it seems like the droids have starting with the prequels probably more so i mean c-3po and dark 2d2 always kind of were but they really became like the front and center comic relief kind of in the prequels. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what he ended up being. And, and, and I liked him. I liked K2SO, but I thought maybe they could have toned back a few of the jokes a little bit where he could have been a little <laughs> less smart alecky at times. I don't know how he felt about that. but Yeah, I do find it odd that this uh, he kind of was his own personality in a way, kind of like 3PO is his own personality. Uh, except his was kind of just, you know, um, sarcastic a-hole. That's what he was going for. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> but what he was is he was a uh, an Imperial droid that was reprogrammed to be a part of the Rebellion, but they were really taking a chance of him never getting shot because he still looked exactly like an Imperial droid. <laughs> with the imperial symbols on his arms and and uh in fact at one point um one of the droids it looks like him gets blown down and he goes you knew that wasn't me right <laughs> and they're like uh yeah because it's like it was kind of weird that there wasn't anything about him that really made you know it was him yeah and so well so basically what this movie ends up becoming as it goes on is the story of getting the Death Star plans for the first Death Star from A New Hope. So this is like the events taking place immediately before um, A New Hope would would uh, start. Kind of leading up to where Leia comes into the story and eventually Luke and, and the events of that movie. And so this sets up um, or kind of tells the story of the construction of the Death Star, who's involved in that, the politics of the Empire a little bit. And kind of our main antagonist to this movie was, I can't even remember his name, director something, <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn. I almost say Chris, but that's not right. It's something similar to that. Um, I do think it's interesting. Is he actually Australian? Because he was talking with an Aussie accent. Well, and, he's Aussie in real life. Yeah, which is odd because I know in the original movies what uh, Lucas was going for was he kind of wanted... Krennic. Krennic. That was his name. 
I know in the original movies, it seemed like Lucas was going for his Imperials. He wanted them all kind of have that uh, proper British accent. Like, like apparently there was no Mer- Americans in the the Imperial the Imperial. I don't know what you call it, Navy, military. But I just found that interesting that there was an Aussie there. Um, he does have a superior who does have a very strict British kind of voice. And I just thought that was interesting kind of play off of. Yeah. Yep. Almost like one was looking down on the other because he was just not quite right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we kind of see happen is he's, he basically treats the Death Star like it's his brainchild. Um, and he's the one who wants to really be in charge of really controlling the Empire's efforts and things like that and 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 um and be that be that guy. Well of course we've never heard of this guy before, so we can kind of assume that that never really happens, you know, once he's introduced in the story because it's like well he's not in a new hope. And so but he's kind of uh he kinda of ends up being the like I said, the antagonist to Jen Urso and, and her family and the things of that. And so what this ends up being is a movie where you see that Jen Urso just isn't some person that's pulled in the rebellion, but she has these connections to, do we want to go into, I just didn't know how spoilery that is. We're trying not to be too spoilery. Well, <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen himself kind of spoiled the whole thing when he revealed what what exactly was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I guess he kind of did. Essentially, Jen Erso's, uh father is the one who essentially created the Death Star. He's the one who, yeah. And not just created kinda it. Kind of the architect of it. And not just created it, but apparently they were using... Um, the crystals that go into the hilts of lightsabers, which gives them their power. That's what was powering the Death Star, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, is that that was something that was never... I mean, was it anywhere in the books before this, Star Wars books, about how the Death Star was powered by kyber crystals? No, uh, which I thought was... This movie kind of brought something new to the table. But he was the one who was found out these crystals, could create this power, and... Uh, essentially, he's the one responsible for the Death Star be- being the killing machine it is. Um, because essentially, without you know the giant laser beam, it's just a giant space station. I mean, just a big moon. Yeah, that's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really the connection she kind of has, which uh, is the reason the rebellion decides to pick her up and kind of tries to use her to get close to Jin, uh, her father, who. Uh, kind of says in this hologram, I don't even know if you're alive or dead, but I think about you all the yeah. time. Well, and I think part of it is the Rebellion's trying to understand what's the deal with her dad. Yeah. You know, like, he claims to be anti-Empire, and yet he's working for them. And so, like, trying to understand that dynamic and things like that, and um, and where the, where this all fits into that. And so... Really, the first half of this movie is just kind of putting a lot of pieces together, and then it's probably more in the second half where it becomes kind of more the the 
the battle war movie that we were all kind of told it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, that uh, the first half of this movie is just a little rocky. It it has mom it has really good moments. Yeah, there was, but uh, it was a li- yeah, it had a it kind of it was struggled and 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 some of that was I was I was just worried about the guy who directed this movie. He just has never really proven himself to be. Godzilla. He did Godzilla 2014, <laughs> which I feel is kind of the same way. It's a lot of build up. You know, there's just like it ta- it just takes forever to get to anything. And that and that gr- granted Rogue One is is a lot better and isn't quite as draggy as Godzilla 2014 can be at times, but it still had kind of that same problem in a different not as serious sort of way. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Where it was like it had, it had that same issue where it was like he just spent a little too much time kind of building things that he wouldn't have had to. And I don't know, or or I don't know. He spent time on the wrong things. I don't. I guess I don't know how to how to say it. How to, I guess I don't know how to put it into words exactly. But it was like let's just say when it got to the second half, it was reflect refreshingly better. I guess I'd put it that way. Well, it goes from it really kicks into high gear and it doesn't let off even at even until the very end, I mean. Yeah, right up to the really the last frame. I mean, it gets pretty intense. I mean, I was I was kind of sitting on the edge of my seat like saying to myself, I I don't think any of these people are going to make it because it was a little <laughs> too the action in this movie I brought it up to Steven, was pretty reminiscent of Saving Private Ryan. Sure, there weren't limbs flying off people and blood yeah. splatter, but it gets pretty harrowing. Yeah. Well, and I know he kind of, they kind of worded it as like a movie they were looking at as as kind of a, a reference point was Black Hawk Down, where it's kind of like you have this small band kind of trapped in the middle of this, you know where they're like, they're fishing a barrel, at a point where it's like they're 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 landed in the middle of this and they're just surrounded by the enemy, you know, and they have to kind of dig their, dig their way out and fulfill the mission, is kind of where it ends up becoming. And so, uh, um, yeah, it just kind of ends up being kind of interesting. But let's get into I don't know how'd you feel about I know we talked about it was hard to keep everybody straight, but as far as kind of the acting and the people who played the characters. How did you feel about all of those things? I know we kind of talked, you know, touched on that a little bit. but You know, by the time that second half kicks in, I really don't think there's any weak spots in the movie that you can kind of point out. Everyone's Everyone was doing a really solid job. Uh, I mean, even Alan Tudyk, who wasn't even technically in the movie, was doing a pretty decent job. And I thought this movie gave some really just kind of standout performances, which is something I didn't think. Uh, I'm not really familiar with Diego Luna, but even he was he was incredible. Um, yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Yep. Donnie Yen, uh, who's an actor I'm really aware of, but I don't think he ever really gave a performance that I thought was eye-opening until now which i think it was which i find a little odd because 
this is probably the first role I saw him in where he wasn't so action oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and but the scenes where he does do action, I mean, he really gets to use his martial arts to its yeah. fullest, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and there was, I mean, even down to like some of the supporting cast, you know, I thought everyone, I mean, as far as that, for, for who, for what they were trying to do and for who they were meant to portray, I thought everyone was really fitting in their roles and did a good job with it. Oh yeah. Um, and then as far as special effects, you know, that's something that the original trilogy, you know, was known for being like just setting a bar for what they did. And then you come to the prequels and the prequels got a little too cartoony in their CGI. And then force awakens kind of went back to let's use CGI as a tool instead of our main focus again. And I feel like that's kind of how this one hit too, where it was like CGI was more of a tool and not overpowering. Yeah. So much. Uh, Um, the, obviously the, the big, um, difference between the two is uh, they weren't using model ships. There's a pretty pretty intense starfight or uh, space battle in this movie, which I was I've actually been waiting for for a while. Yeah this this movie probably had one of my favorite just ship battles. Oh yeah, out of any of the Star Wars movie, just just because of how it was one of those just like. X-Wings and TIE Fighters flying through here and flying through there and all these things going on. You had ground warfare at the same time. And so, I mean, it really brought a really cool element to that that you haven't really seen in a in a, in a Star Wars movie in this way, anyway, where, yeah, that was really good. And it all looked good. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, there were only a few times where I would say me like cgi things pulled me out and i think one of them would be just that there was a character that was kind of like the wrath tars in force awakens <laughs> where it's like okay i think you know we're yeah. talking about that tentacly thing where it's like it is like look noticeably fake <laughs> and there's a few little things like that but i thought for the most part it looked great and there was a few shots that were like just the cinematography instead of how they did the shot were really reminiscent of the old ones where whenever when they'd have a shift ship take off from a place they had the guy up in that post using <laughs> yeah. his scanner gun at it. It looked exactly like a shot from Empire Strikes Back. And so I mean there were some shots like that where it was just like just how that shot was fan service, let alone other little cameos and background things or dialogue that was said that was fan service and how did you let's just go there how did you feel about the fan service in this film um too much i feel like a couple of them were a little too a little too much um i don't want to spoil anything but uh we see some old faces in this movie from the from the original movie and some of them I thought were actually pretty cool. Um, and then there's a couple things that just were, were kind of slightly distracting. It's like, do we really need to see a shot of blue milk? Like, really? <laughs> do we really need uh, to see the blue milk again? <laughs> we know it exists. <laughs> you don't got to remind us. Yeah. There, and I, For the most part, I didn't have a problem with any of the fan service. There was one or two where I was like, unnecessary in my opinion but it wasn't it wasn't too bad if anything uh there was a 
couple a couple old faces in this movie from the original film that kind of just like made me really kind of get into this one and just kind of really start to care about it uh and it's during the space battle we see you see a couple of uh fighter pilots that look a little bit familiar but i'll just leave it at that yeah it kind of kind of brought you back and and brought it brought it into context and things like that so yeah and it reminded you that it's that it's connected that gives it that connectivity i guess if anything i'm really surprised that uh there's some things from the clone wars and rebels that showed up in this movie and I I'm not really a fan of either one of those, and you know they had their moments, but I was kind of surprised they threw nods to them in here. It makes me wonder if maybe someday we're gonna see Ahsoka show up out of nowhere with her yellow lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it was interesting. Well, and it's one of those things where Disney erased a lot of things that are so they're not canon anymore, and so. Star or Clone Wars and Rebels are a few of the things that are left that they still have to pull from. <laughs> that they still have to pull from because they wiped out a lot of that other, a lot of those other books that guys are mad about. I'm sure where they're like, "Oh, my bookshelves are meaningless now." <laughs> but it's up to you, man. You can let things be canon that maybe they don't think are canon. It's, it's you can make up your own world. It's called your imagination. But <laughs> but uh. Yeah, so there were there were some nods of that, and so I mean, it wasn't excessive, but I don't know. There were some of those things you you knew they did just to like get people excited or hoping it would get people excited. I was like, well, okay, um, but yeah, and so I I don't I don't know. Overall, I thought the movie looked really good, and I thought everyone did a really good job, and and. The, but the one thing I did struggle with was it took me a long time to really have this feel, or it took me a long time for this to really sink in that it was a that it actually was a Star Wars movie, even though you were seeing blips of the Death Star and an X Wing and and Star Destroyers. It still was like you know what I, it was weird how that could happen, how you could see those things and yet it wasn't really totally like processing that it was a star Wars movie. Yeah. And maybe some of it was that force awakens did spoil us because it did have like Leia and Han Solo and Chewbacca were like all like literally in the movie weren't cameos, but were like in the movie. And so maybe that's what made it so much easier for you to be like, okay, yeah, this is a star Wars movie or was it just, that this one just didn't your stars weren't Jedi or or soon to be Jedi is that what was making it feel so different I don't know where, where were you at with that whole thing did this feel like a Star Wars movie the whole time to you like or I know with me I just like I said I struggled for a while um I don't know I I guess I didn't really assume it wasn't a Star Wars movie and I think some of it was like this wasn't meant to feel like a Star Wars movie, in a sense. Yeah, I think part of it was they were trying a lot of new things. Yeah, and that was the thing. It was just like a lot of untapped. I mean, there wasn't the whole screen wipes. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, even those little things that just make it all feel so Star Wars, you weren't there. And so it just like you had to kind of like wrap your mind around this new concept, which was hard. Yeah. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that this is just a standalone movie. Yep. There's no sequel coming to it. I mean, if you want a sequel to it, you just watch A New Hope. That's, that's yeah, it. and so yeah, and so in a sense, it was a prequel. Yeah, I mean, but it's just I feel like they were more willing to try anything with this because obviously it's not going to be a, a trilogy in itself. Yeah, it's not going to be a whole series of movies. Although me and Steven were talking about it, if they really wanted to make a sequel to this movie, it would be how they get the plans for the second Death Star. Yeah, yeah, that would be the sequel to this movie. Yeah, I pretty guess. Much. Well, it, but what was interesting about this is that even though it was a standalone, it was connected enough where they still had to be careful yeah. with what they did and didn't do. And so that that was also interesting um, with how that worked or, or who you involved or who you didn't involve and things like that. And so um, that made this one probably trickier than some of their other ones will be because with like a Han Solo movie, that can be literally as unconnected as you want it to be because yeah. Han Solo doesn't come into the story until the ca- with the cantina when Obi-Wan approaches Chewbacca and talks to him about using their ship and then they go talk to Han you know what I mean so there's like no connection I mean he can be like totally standalone whereas this one had a lot of connection and so uh yeah there was this it was a, this was an interesting gamble of a movie that uh, let's just get into it for um, this is a big gamble. Now, did it pay off for you? And where would you where would you grade it? Um, That's tough. I mean, if we're going to grade it, I'd have I wouldn't give it, you know, our usual kind of grade. I'd, I'd probably have to rate it against the other Star Wars movies. OK. And uh, well, obviously, how many are there at this point? There's eight of them. Uh, the bottom three are, of course, going to be the prequels, episode one, two, three. Uh, the fourth one would probably, I know it, it's a little too soon to say it, but it would probably be this movie, uh, followed by, uh, followed by The Force Awakens, and then, of course, the first Star Wars, uh, Return of the Jedi, and then at the very top, no shock, no surprise here, Empire Strikes Back. That's... So you'd put this movie at like kind of fifth, then right under yeah. Force Awakens, and but above the prequels. Yes, I'm not. I'm not saying it. It comes anywhere near prequel territory, <laughs> but I just don't feel. Um, I'm obviously gonna probably watch this in the movie. Uh, watch this in a movie theater one more time when it comes out on Blu-ray. I'll buy it, but it's not gonna be one of those movies where I'm gonna look back fondly on and be like. Ah, what a great movie. I have such fond memories of this movie. Let's <laughs> yeah. let's sit around brothers and sisters and watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I think the fact that this I don't know, this is weird to say because I mean, it's such an obvious Star Wars movie when you really think about it. But like I said at the same time it doesn't feel like one. But if you just take the story and the things that they that happen in it, um, what makes it better to me is the fact that it is a Star Wars movie. Whereas if I mean this was just, if it was 
the story he did, but let's just say it wasn't the Death Star, but it was, you know, people working towards something else and it didn't have the Star Wars brand to it in any way. I don't think I'd be as forgiving to it. Um, But, I mean, obviously... It's the little things, Stephen. But, but yeah, but it's hard to look at it that way because it's, you know, there were so many things to it that obviously made it be Star Wars. But, uh, yeah, that being said, you know, I mean... All right, come on. Obviously, it's better than than episodes one, two, and three for the most part in terms of liking it, wanting to watch it again, all those types of things. And so, yeah, I mean, I would be, it would be in the same place if we were right now if I was to put it in a lineup of of the movies because I I still would like you know episodes four, five, six, and seven better <laughs> and things like that. But um, this did, but I think this did. Uh, this did show that there is promise in these anthology movies. And even though this did have a certain struggling with kind of getting off the ground, in my opinion, yeah, that, uh, that it still had a lot of promise and it still, um, it still was fun and still was, you know, good and watchable and things like that. And so it does kind of get me, uh, get me excited for what they'll do in the future. But, at the same time, when this movie was over, I wasn't as amped as I was after Episode 7. When Episode 7 got over, I was just... <laughs> You're I ready just, to go back into the I was the just theater. elated. I was just ready to watch it again. Yeah, I remember. And so... And I did. Like, three days later, I went and watched <laughs> it again. But uh, with this one, I didn't feel that same thing. Even though I liked it, it just wasn't that same uh, level of excitement. And... You know, say what you will about that. Is it because it didn't have Skywalkers as the leads? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you know, who knows? It's just, but I, I feel like that wasn't the problem. I think more of the problem was that I just didn't, there was just nobody I cared about. And it wasn't like, a, I need a Skywalker to care about. It wasn't that. It was, I feel like this movie didn't set up anybody for me to care about. I wanted someone to care about, and I really struggled with caring about them. Yeah, I, this movie did. I, I was like, movie, give me someone to care about. I wanted it to give me someone to care about, and that's where I struggled with with this movie. I think one of the things that would have helped this movie a little bit was this is the first Star Wars movie where we saw a flashback. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like maybe they should have utilized that a little bit more for Jen Ursa. Um, obviously, Diego Luna's character has a lot of demons following this guy. I feel like... Maybe he would have benefited from a flashback or two. I mean, yeah. if you're gonna go there, you might as well keep going. Yeah, give us give us a little more like detail. Like, how are these people the way they are? Uh, when we meet Jerenoso, she's kind of closed off, doesn't give a crap. Um, she's asked, "How can you how can you be okay with the Empire flag flying over the whole galaxy?" And she kind of says, oh, it's not so bad if you don't ever look up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how did she get that way? Like, yeah. Where it's like, okay, that's a good line. Yeah, it's a great line. It's a good, I mean, it's. I really liked that line. I thought that was like, oh, that was a clever line. But it didn't mean much when you don't really know much about her, you know? So, I don't know. That's what, that's what was tricky about this because it was the same problem that, Lucas ended up getting himself in with the prequels where you just kind of didn't care about Anakin and you should have. Yeah. You should have cared about Anakin. Um uh, but you didn't. 
because you didn't. I don't know. There just wasn't enough there to really care about him. And part of it was maybe the actors that played him through the movies. But also some of it was just like it just wasn't the dialogue was clunky and not well. Whereas I would say this one didn't have clunky dialogue. It had better dialogue oh, yeah. and things like that. But it was just like, I don't know. I think it was just one of those things where you were building too big of a group for this one event. And, and at the same time, they were trying to juggle a little bit of this whole, how it still had to be connected to be, you know, how this was the death star that was in a new hope and things like that. And so it was hard to like build these characters to what you needed them to be. Uh, Peter Jackson kind of got into that trouble too, where he started bringing in so many things to connect it to the Lord of the Rings. I keep bringing up the hobbits. It's kind of funny, but where it kind of ended up hurting the hobbit a little bit. You yeah. know, because it was like, why is this called The Hobbit? I feel like Bilbo <laughs> is like taking the background <laughs> and things like that. But it was tricky, but not bad. But I am excited for episode eight next year. Oh, yeah. For the next uh, the next uh, outing for, for Ray and Finn and Poe and a Skywalker or two. So see what happens there. But on that, I think we would both give a... If you're into Star Wars, this is definitely one to see. And uh, let us know what you think. Uh, as you, When you see it, you can let us know on Facebook or in the comments on YouTube or any places like that. And so we hope you are uh, paying attention to us on those places, liking us on Facebook, subscribing to us on on iTunes or Twitter. <laughs> iTunes or, or uh, uh, YouTube, excuse me. And those places. And also, we're kind of on Stitcher, which is uh, uh, kind of an Android version of iTunes. And so you can look for us on Stitcher. I'm working on kind of getting that more finalized and worked out. But we are there. And so if you use Stitcher, um, look look up Dakota Boys Talk Movies. And, and you can uh, favorite our channel on there, too, if that's your thing. So, yeah, again, let us know what you think about Star Wars to let us know where we're wrong, what we missed for why this movie was a complete masterpiece. I don't know. Maybe we did miss something. You or, never you never know. Or if you thought this was as bad as the prequels. Or, yeah, maybe you thought this movie was garbage and we were too nice. I don't know. You just never know. Tell we'll, us. Let tell us, us know. Let, let us, us know your thoughts. You can always, uh, too, just let us know. Uh Something you'd maybe like us to to bring up or review or things like that. We have a couple reviews we want to do here soon. And probably a couple of them will be video ones again. So unlike this one, which is just audio. And so all those things are coming. But I think with that, we'll wrap this up. So this is Steven. And this is Dakota. We'll see you later. Later.